This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, let me give you a little bit of a warning. Michael and I may be a little bit different on the answer to this question. And the question is, did Jesus die for the sins of the whole world or only for those who would trust him? It's a trick question. It is a trick question. I'd like to know who asked this. (laughs) All right. Buckle up, listeners. You ready to go? I'm ready. All right. We're going to throw down, maybe. There's a context to the question. Uh, and it's actually a very heated context. So our listeners may have heard us talk about Calvinism and Arminianism, not Correct. Armenians. Those no, are no, like no, no. nationality, right? Yes. Arminians. Okay. I'm not going to belabor this point, but just go with me for a moment. <laughs> uh, in the 16th century, 17th century, um, well, especially the 15th century, the, the Reformation began. The Reformation. Or I call them Protestants, but Protestants. <laughs> We were like, you know what? The Catholic Church has really, really screwed some things up massively. And Martin Luther posted 95 theses and is like— That's what yeah. started things. If the Pope could could Officially. release all souls from purgatory, why doesn't he do it right now? You know, like all mm-hmm. these great questions that expose the corruption of the Roman Catholic Church doctrinally and practically. So we have these—we uh, have the Reformation. And uh, there was a guy. His name was Jean Calvin. He's a French theologian, very influential. And, mm-hmm. and he had pupils and whatnot. And so those pupils— after John Calvin had died, I believe, they put together and um, they basically had schools of teaching. Well, one of the students, his name was Jacob Arminius. Well, yes. Jacob Arminius was probably more, this is going to give away my leaning, but just be gracious with me. I love you no matter what you believe. Was probably more <laughs> influenced by philosophy than scripture. And so he was trying to make sense of how could he justify logically and philosophically and morally from his Western perspective, uh, evil and free will, all yes. this kind of stuff. So. Yes. He puts together five functional points, and um, and they're five theological statements that disagreed with John Calvin, disagreed with Martin Luther, disagreed with Augustine, disagreed with Paul, and disagreed with Jesus, just to be clear on my opinions. <laughs> but that being said, he puts together these, these five points, which actually are just a re-articulation, uh, a little more tame, of, of debates that have been going on in church history. For example, in the fourth century, we have St. Augustine and Pelagius, right? Yes. And uh, this same debate happened with them. It really revolved around God's sovereignty, free will, salvation, predestination, yep. election. Yep. So Jacob Arminius writes out these five points. Well, the followers of Jean Calvin are furious, and then we must do something. So they come up with five responses. And these five responses are what's been known as the five points of Calvinism. And there's an acronym for them. And the acronym is called TULIP. Tulip. I'm married to a florist, so she loves this. So in English, we have this acronym TULIP. And and again, I'll say it quick. If you want more, go Google it. Uh, It stands for T, total depravity, meaning all mankind is born sinful, incapable of doing good before God in any way, shape, or form because sin has so thoroughly corrupted us. We are not inherently good and there is no good in us especially the good of choosing God. We don't have the capacity to choose God. You and I completely agree yes. on that and, statement. And because John 1 and Romans 9 say that we don't have this thing called indeterminate free will, we are constrained by sin, slaves to sin. We have no faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Therefore, nobody who is a non-Christian is able to do anything good, especially the good of trusting in Jesus. So uh, you in TULIP is unconditional election, yes. meaning— Election, voting, choosing, if you will, God chose before the foundations of the earth who he would and who he would not save. Not based on anyone's good work or what yep. they might do for him in the future. It is undeserved yep. atonement There's or no unlimited. conditions on this choosing. 
Yes. The conditions, which Ephesians 1, Romans 9, the list goes on, oh, all the Bible, um, communicate that when God picks somebody, he doesn't pick somebody because they're good or bad. For example, Abraham. He's living, Abraham, a pagan. He was a pagan. He yes. didn't do anything good or bad. God plucked him out. Uh, Romans 9 says, Jacob, I love Esau. I hated. Why? Not because they'd done anything good before they were born. Mm-hmm. I chose so that my purposes would be fulfilled. So we're never told why God chooses anybody. Right. But he does. That's the you. The L is where there's debate. Yes. The L is the one where you'll hear people say, I'm a four-point Calvinist or four-and-a-half-point <laughs> Calvinist. This question is getting at, at Getting this. at that L piece. Yeah. So the T and the U, we got that. The L is limited, limited atonement. atonement, meaning the atonement is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the question is, when Jesus went to the cross, did he die for the sins of the whole world or only those whom he chose to believe in him? Mm-hmm. Real quickly, the I is irresistible grace, meaning that um, because you couldn't choose God, God chose you. Jesus went to the cross for you. And then at the right moment in space, time, and history, he irresistibly drew you. He gave you faith, mm-hmm. which means you couldn't say no. You couldn't say no. And the P is perseverance of the saints. Some people have called it preservation of the saints, which basically means once, once saved, always, always saved. saved. If God gives you faith, you can't get rid of that faith, yes. et cetera. So that's Tulip. It gets to the L. Yeah. This is this is where the question's coming from. A little history lesson for everybody. Maybe, yeah. maybe we should just stop and like come back tomorrow and say, what is Calvinism? <laughs> you know? Anyways, so the L is really inciting because John 3 16 says, For God so loved the world, world that he gave his only son. That whosoever would believe in him. Anybody, right? Anyone. That's that's legit verse. I agree with John 3 16, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Um, and so Jesus died for the sins of the Whole, whole world, right? These are biblical realities. So when a when a five point Calvinist says Jesus only died for the sins of those he chose from the foundation of the world, he only died for the sins of people who inevitably would be given faith and trust in him. That doesn't feel like it vibes yes. with clear teachings of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I would agree. Somebody somebody who says the death of Jesus has no tangible or potential benefits or effects on every person in the entire world is not taking the whole scope of teaching in scripture mm-hmm. yes. on the atonement or the shed blood of Christ. Uh, and so here, here's what I'll give you my answer here. Let's just do the question again. Yeah. Can you ask the question again? Now that we gave some context of why limited atonement, this yes. question the, is the being L asked piece. the L piece and tulip. Yeah. So here's our question. Did Jesus die for the sins of the whole world or only for those who would trust him? Here's the answer. Yes. Yes. You and I fully agree. Great. Yes. And here's how I would, how I've explained it to people. Jesus this is, is death- where we might disagree, by yes. the way, right now. Yes. And I, <laughs> if anyone's going to disagree on anything, let it be the L. Yes. Please. And this is, this is what I've said. Jesus's death on the cross was sufficient for the sins of the whole world, but it was only effectual for those who would trust him. Agreed or disagreed? I agree as long as you temper the statement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I believe that when Jesus went to the cross, he did not go to the cross with the expectation that those whom God did not choose would be saved. Got to think about that. So before bit. the foundation of the world, you have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and they're coming up with the plan of redemption. And the Father says to Jesus, you need to go die. And Jesus says, yes, I do. That's correct. That's an mm-hmm. ingenious idea. I'm going to yes. go do that. Because sin has to be paid for, and it had to be right. God who paid for this sin. So Jesus didn't look at the Father and be like, all right, so so this is for everybody in the whole world to get saved, right? And God's like, well, no, no because no. I didn't choose everyone in the world to get saved because I didn't need to. So 
no, you're you're going to pay the price for everyone who would ever be redeemed. They're you know, and, and then Jesus could have looked at the Father and said, "But is it enough to cover everyone? Well, yeah, it's enough to cover everybody a billion times over. That's not the point, right? The point is, Jesus, um, you're going to become a baby and grow up to be a man. You're going to be sinless and perfect. They're going to execute you, mm-hmm. etc. But when you do this, um, we're doing this to bring redemption to those whom we've set apart and chosen. So, FYI, yeah, if Jesus could, as a 30 year old man, remember the conversations that he, and the Father, and the Spirit had mm-hmm. in eternity past, he probably would have said to you, uh, "I'm not expecting." That when I go onto the cross, that people whom I know are never going to trust in me would would trust me are going to trust. Like that's not the point. Yes. But as I say that, here's what I say: the atonement, the shed blood of Christ, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, is limited in one degree and unlimited, unlimited in, in another. another degree. Yes. It is limited in that I don't believe Jesus had intentions of saving people he knew the Father had no intentions to save. Right. So when he went to the cross, he probably consciously had on his on his mind. I'm guessing all of those who would believe in me, this is for you. Right. Let me use an illustration that you used in one of our very be- beginning podcasts. And you were talking about Snickers bars. Oh, yeah, I thought like it was this. an ingenious illustration. So here's something that you... I don't even remember what yeah, I said, but I remember said, talking about Snickers. And yes. I thought it was great. So you said something closely <laughs> like this. So you go to an event where there's a hundred children mm-hmm. and you have a hundred Snickers bars and you say, kids, everybody who wants a Snickers bar, I've got a Snickers bar for everybody. You've got enough Snickers bars for every single child. That is the sufficiency of Christ's death. Yep. But not every child likes Snickers bars, nor will ever every child take a Snickers bar, even though you have enough for all of them. Yep. Can I give you a different analogy? Yeah. With Snickers. <laughs> if I'm a baseball Snickers. team and, you know, they have like the first hundred people get a free Snickers bar. Fine. Yes. Right. Well, uh, I, I might, I could have enough for everybody, yeah, but I'm only could. choosing to give them to a hundred and the other 20,000 who came and didn't get it. They don't deserve it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a free gift. Yeah. I can give my gift to give whoever it any way you I want. want. They don't deserve it inherently because they're like, came to my game. They already paid for the ticket. They're getting what, whatever. Yes. And God has enough Snickers bars to feed the whole world. And if God wants to only give some people a Snickers bar, that's his, that prerogative. Is his priority. And then Romans nine actually just addresses this very issue because the human response, which is natural and it's fine response. Well, God, that's not, not fair. fair. And but th- the truth of it is, it is not fair for any of us to be forgiven. Correct. That is the flip side of this. No person that is a sinner deserves the righteousness of God that is imputed when we accept Jesus. Right. It is such a great thing. No one deserves that gift. Now, if you're hearing this and you don't agree with us, we love you. Keep listening. I mean, this is one podcast, but nobody comes to Calvinism easily. We're all born Arminians and then we read the Bible <laughs> And we become Calvinists. That's the way I describe it. Now, that's uh, that's a joke <laughs> because brothers that I love immensely disagree on these things. Mm-hmm. And yes. it's totally cool. We see a lot of things differently. And that's fine. We can debate about it. Good friends of mine don't agree with me on this. I love them. I love you. Great. Good. But these are really important subjects. And, and people don't come up with Calvinism because they're terrible humans. The reason Calvinism exists as we know it now is because these verses are all over the Bible. They are in the Bible. And they and are counter every, they say things about God and humanity that are counter everything that Western culture teaches yes. us. Like the idea that God would choose some and not others. No, we don't we, we don't say this because we're bored. No. We say this because, because scripture points this this yeah. fact to be true. And those whom he predestined, he also called. I mean, like he elected, he chose. I mean, all of Every time scripture, you didn't choose me, but I chose, chose you. you. Well, if, why didn't you choose everybody? Like 
This is a biblical principle that is inescapable if you're going to read it. And so now we have to try to do is make sense of it in light Mm -hmm. of scripture. And that's why there are Calvinists. There aren't Calvinists because there's bad people. There are Calvinists because the scriptures teach things that I would say are really, really hard for Americans and Westerners Mm -hmm. to put in their categories of who God is. That being said, the atonement of Jesus is limited in that. It was not intended to save people whom God did not elect. No. But it was unlimited in, I believe, this sense. It was unlimited in its impact on every human being in the entire Absolutely. world. So First uh, John 2, 2 says, he, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice, meaning the shed blood uh, sacrifice for our sins. Talking about the church. Mm-hmm. And not only for our sins, but also the sins of, of the, the whole world. world. I would be blatantly unbiblical. If I were to read that and say, when Jesus went to the cross, he did not intend for there to be beneficial effects for the entire world. Uh, at the same time, we also see that when Jesus went to the cross, uh, the elect, the chosen, were going to be the ones who would be benefited from. Sure. Here's how I like to say it. Uh, in Scripture, uh, it, it seems to communicate, particularly in the book of Romans, that uh, in the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, God was able to overlook their sin. Mm-hmm. Because immediately when they sinned, what was supposed to happen? Death. Death, right? And in some sense it did because it immediately separated them from the holy and righteous God. Yes. But not physically when you yet. read it, the clear communication is you're going to die the moment this happens. Yeah, that's what they were expecting. And when they didn't die, immediately they were an animal sacrifice, they're given clothing, and it was a reminder that uh, this is mercy. Yes. But this mercy was rooted in an event. Here's the crazy thing. The mercy that God gave Adam and Eve and every other person alive, the fact that he doesn't destroy them the moment they're conceived, is rooted in the cross. And so what Romans seems to communicate is that God is able to forbear and overlook the current the the sins of former times because he was able to look forward Forward. to the cross. So there's Mm -hmm. something about actually the death of Jesus, although if you are if you end up dying and going to hell, right? The death of Jesus was not relevant for you in terms of saving your sins weren't paid for. Let's put it that way. Uh, they weren't covered and because you went to hell. If they were covered, you go to mm-hmm. heaven. Go to heaven. But you experience from the moment you were conceived to the moment you die, the benefits of the death of Jesus Christ. Yes. Because the Bible is clear. It says uh, that he is the propitiation for our, not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Propitiation means that God's anger and righteous wrath at sin is appeased, is appeased. temporarily. Yes. So the death of Jesus is universal. It's unlimited in that it appeased God's wrath. And now it rains on the just and the unjust. And now the unjust are able to grow and thrive in this world and do amazing things. And God is actually very gracious, yes. very merciful mm-hmm. to Christians and non-Christians. Christians alike, yes. And we get to live long lives or not. But like the point is, all of this is the benefit of the blood, shed blood of Jesus Christ. So even the person who rejects Jesus to the day they die is not being will say, murdered by God, mm-hmm. surely by the shed blood of Christ of which they reject. It's a yes. great irony. Oh, yes. And so when they die and go to heaven, they'll be judged just like everybody else will. Um, they won't be forgiven because they've rejected the forgiveness of mm-hmm. Christ. And yet the greatest of irony will not be lost in them. Wow, the fact that I even lived is because of the very shed blood of the God that I rejected. Rejected, it's yes. It's an interesting irony. So as we get to this forever long podcast, <laughs> I am a five-point Calvinist in that Limited atonement is defined accurately. 
And that's why I say I'm a four and a half. Correct. And some people will reject it altogether because it's too confusing of a term out there in the ether. Mm -hmm. I believe that Jesus went to the cross with the intention of dying for those whom he had chosen and also with the intention of perpetuating God's wrath uh, in an unlimited mm -hmm. way to the entire world. I believe in limited atonement and unlimited. Unlimited. <laughs> uh, now, you might hear all the rest of this, and we did a whole bunch of questions. We did. On predestination, election, choosing, mm -hmm. right, that we had we talked did. about in this Calvinism thing. And so, Tim, what are those episode numbers so people can have a reference? Episodes 109 through 117 gives a lot more information than what we just shared today, Michael. Yep. Every question you can possibly come up with. Not really, but we dealt with a bunch. <laughs> we of, dealt with a bunch. Yeah. That doesn't feel fair. How could God do that? What yes. about people God didn't choose? Justice, all that kind of stuff. And we just try to open up scripture, walk through those. And again, our job is to not make people happy. Right. Uh, we we want to be nice. Don't get me wrong. Our job is to open up God's word, whether it's easy or difficult, and try to help people make sense of it. We try to help you understand historically how the church has understood it, what some of the best topics, teachers, and texts are, and then really like come to a conclusion. For me, it took me over two years of wrestling with this subject mm -hmm. until I even got peace with it. So as we drop all these bombs, we got a lot of patience. We this do. is why we do this. We want to shepherd you and help you face scripture uh, and, and, and reject the propensity to see the Bible through culture. See the yes. culture through the lens of Scripture. And that's what we're here. Well, we got another question that goes right along with this one next time, Michael. And it is, does God call people to sadness or poverty or even distress? Mm.